Welcome to Resilience Unraveled. Hi everybody and welcome to Resilience Unraveled, a podcast that examines all aspects of personal and organisational resilience. A huge all-encompassing subject that covers the ability to thrive in life by harnessing your cognitive, emotional, physiological and contextual abilities. I share stories from people who have thrived despite remarkable obstacles, as well as highly successful practitioners and experts across a range of topics. And this podcast introduces their amazing stories and expertise, as well as my own reflections, perspectives, strategies and tips, which come from my own synthesis of themes and trends from wider learning. You can go to qedod.com forward slash extras to access offers, tools and resources, including free articles and eBooks. For those of you that would be interested in supporting our work and contributing more proactively, you can find our new Patreon page at patreon.com. Then search for Resilience Space Unraveled. So, let's get started. Enjoy the show. Hi, and welcome back to Resilience Unraveled. Another episode, and a guest, actually, um, and a subject area that I don't think we've ever really spent much time thinking about, which is only probably one of the most important subjects you can think about which is well I'll let our guest introduce it but first of all we're we're blessed to be in the presence of Julie Clough today um Julie hi how how are you hi hi so good to be here it's good to see you Russell fantastic and I can tell by the accent that you're you're somewhere a few thousand miles away tell us more about where you are I sure am I'm in the western United States near Salt Lake City Utah oh wow I'm people not... can't see the screen as we're talking, but you have a beach background, and that's where I'm from originally is Florida. Oh, right. I thought this was Hawaii. <laughs> this is that is Hawaii, but <laughs> that beach reminds me of my uh, my growing up years. <laughs> is it making nostalgic? Is it having having the beach there? You say, I, I spend a lot of time on um, Zoom, far too much time in my life, and so I've spent too much time doing these things as well. But luckily, we're not recording the video filters, so there you go. Well, look, it's a joy to be with you, to spend some time with you today. So, tell us a little bit about what what it is that you do. Well, I'm a speaker, I'm an author, I'm a grief and life coach. So I specifically work with people who have experienced loss who are wanting to rebuild their life. So that's, that's what I do. And I, yeah, I'm, I'm sure we'll get into why, what brought me to this path. I, I had an interviewer one, one time say to me, I imagine you didn't grow up saying, I'm going to be a grief coach. <laughs> Well, that would have been a and very interesting thing, had you, but um, you do speak with some authority in this area. So come on, w- work us through your story, if you would, because it's, uh, it's well, it's, as you can imagine, it's quite formative, isn't it? So tell us about yourself. For sure. Um, well, I lost my brother to suicide when I was in my 20s, and um, and that was the first really, really devastating loss. And then uh, a short time after that, my first marriage ended in divorce and I had three small children. And that again was a very painful period. But on Mother's Day, which if you're not familiar with Mother's Day in the States, we, we recognize mothers in, in May. And on Mother's Day, um, as it turns out on 2000, in 2007, I was traveling across uh, the, the States uh, from my home in Texas, where I lived at the time, to my in-laws' home in North Carolina, 
And about mid-afternoon, having not felt tired at all during my drive, I was with my three youngest children. And then mid-afternoon, I fell asleep at the wheel and woke up in the median uh, between the, the um, eastbound and westbound lanes of highway. And in shock, tried to pull my, my uh, vehicle back up on the road. And when I did that, I felt the wheels just lift off the road and we just rolled and rolled and rolled. So when we, when we landed and I'd lost my eyesight because of hitting my head, I guess, as we rolled and I could hear my son, James, who was 12 years old, sitting next to me in the car, I could hear him. So I knew he was alive, but I could tell he was in pain. But as I called for Carrie and David, Carrie was my 10 year old daughter who was in the back seat with her brother, David, who was eight. They had been in the back seat. And as I called for them, there was no answer. And as my eyesight returned, I realized that they had been thrown from the car as we rolled. And they were just what feels like forever away from the car. And I was stunned physically, emotionally, and in every way. And I, I never, I wasn't able to get to them. Um, we, we had ambulances that showed up and took James and I to one hospital, took Carrie and David to another hospital. And it was a couple of hours later that I learned that Carrie and David did not survive the accident. And that was a whole new level of devastation and uh, pain and grief that I had never experienced before and hope to never experience again. Um, and that, as you can imagine, that was extremely painful and a very, very difficult time. I, I mean, I, I can't begin to imagine what you went through. I, I, you know, words, you know, words don't suffice here, do they? But yeah. I mean, you must have been, I mean, afterwards, I mean, what did you, what physically happened? What, you know, you'd lost two children. You had one who was obviously injured, I'd have thought, uh, but you were probably knocked apart as well. Um, how were you? So interestingly, I was the least injured. I, I broke my wrist. I was, I had, my shoulders were sprained. Um, my injury was very definitely more emotional. Yeah. I dealt with PTSD afterwards. Uh, my son James had to have emergency surgery on his leg, which was the beginning of, well, there were so many miracles in the process, which is why I named my book Miracles in the Darkness is because I could see all the miracles that happened around such a really, really difficult experience. But one of the miracles that did happen was that the surgeon that happened to be in the hospital on a holiday, which they were surprised he was even there, mm also happened to be the one that had pioneered the procedure that James needed wow. on his leg that day to relieve the pressure so that and to and this now he is a he's married with two children and you know physically healthy so yes. physically oh, healthy and strong so grateful for that did you have any more kids after that point or so these were um, Carrie, David, and James were my three youngest. I had three older children um, that did not travel with us that day because of school schedules. Yes. And uh, so I, I happened to just have my three youngest children with me that day on that mm. trip. So I mean, the first thing is that the effect on them is pretty horrific because you're dealing with children and sibling losses. 
is pretty rough, isn't it? What, what, what do you practically do to look after children who've lost siblings? It, it, was, it was a very difficult time because obviously I was not in a good place and it's hard to support your children when you're not in a good place. We relied a lot on friends and family, church members, people who, you know, neighbors. We relied a lot on, on um, the people around us that, that came together to support us and super grateful for, for dear friends that helped us. We relied on professional help, uh, everyone at some point. In fact, early on, my husband made appointments for all of us. We all went in at the same time to see a therapist and we didn't meet with the therapist at the same time, but we you know, had, yeah. had various meetings uh, with the therapist and, and just got and, and received some direction there. And then I went through two and a half years of therapy to overcome my PTSD. Yes. And, um, and yeah, it was, it was a, a difficult time. So you're talking about the classic resilience profile here, aren't you? Because you've experienced something horrific and you're reaching out to friends and family, you're taking professional help. Something deep inside of you, I guess, kept you going? Any, any thoughts about what that must, must have been, other than the family, obviously? Yeah, absolutely. You know, one of the things that I realized early on is I had things to live for. Right. You know, even even though it was extremely painful and and it feels in that moment that it would be easier to have died. Yeah. Uh, that the, you know, I, I still had living children that needed me. And I still had a husband who I loved and, and he loved me. And, and it was very difficult on our marriage, but somehow we, we muddled through. And I think one of the things that really kept me going, you know, I have tremendous faith in God, but it, one of the things that really kept me going was that my, my experience with my previous losses informed my experience with this. Yes. And I, want to go, and I want to go back to that in a minute, but um, one of the things I'm guessing you had to deal with was guilt. Absolutely. Yeah, the guilt was unrelenting. Mm. And Does that ever go? It does. You know, for me, I, I've been able to, I don't think we talk enough about self-forgiveness. I, I think self-forgiveness is as important as forgiving others. Mm, I agree. And, and I, that I needed that in a very big way, but I also had experiences where I felt in myself that, you know, God was saying to me, it was, it's their time. And I know that it, I'm not saying that, okay, I got that message and then everything was good. Yeah. <laughs> I got that message, but it took me months to settle into that and, and to realize that I could accept that and I could forgive myself as um, that I never intended any harm. You know, I think sometimes we, we blame ourselves. I, I never felt guilt. I mean, I never felt sleepy that day, but even if I had, you know, I never intended any harm. Mm. And, and I think that's where we just have to say, it, it is what it is and to be, um, to, to be able to just settle into this is what is 
and now what am I going to do with it? The, the thing that, that, the thought that keeps coming to my mind is that there's a reason I'm still here. You know, so when we lose someone we love, and especially if we're involved in an accident where, and we have maybe guilt, you know, survivor's guilt, yeah. there's a reason we're still here. Yeah. And I remind my clients of that all the time as well. It's like, there's a reason we're still here. Can we tap into that reason? Can we, can we see a path forward and, and see the good that can still come of our life. I believe things can be different and can, you know, we can work through the pain of the loss, let go of the pain. The loss is still there, but we let go of the pain and, and we can, and we can work through that. And then we can, we can look forward and, and see that even though life is different, it can still be great. And do you, I suppose I've got a, I've got a thing, I've got a thing in my head when I ask this question. Do you see that all grief is the same? So, for example, I've often worked with women who've lost children, um, either uh, before they're born or you know just after they're born, and such like as a therapist. Do you think that's a sim- Do you think that the grief process is the same, or there are different forms of grief? If you accept your argument, there's pain and process, as it were. Do you? Do you think it's the pain that's different? What, what, what's your views on that? Different types of grief. I think we we all have to recognize that everyone who's experienced with grief is going to be different. Everyone. My experience with grief was different than my husband's experience with grief. And a lot right. of people would say, well, it's the same because we lost the same two children. But no, it's not. It's not yeah. the same. And yet at the same time, all grief has a similar thread through it. And, you know, I developed a model of healing, which, which brings us from that coping, which we automatically go into, into rebuilding our life. Yeah. And, and that can be applied across all different types of grief. You know, I've, I've seen it successfully work with people who are estranged from family, who have experienced um, death or, um, divorce or um, abuse, these are all losses. You know, yeah. you think of financial loss, you think of career loss, it's all loss and it, and, and it does have a thread of similarity. And, and it's interesting because there's actually very little informed literature. I mean, Kubler-Ross's work is the one we all still refer to, isn't it? And, and and partly because it's it's seminal, but also partly because there's so little else. I mean, death is still one of those subjects we we just don't talk about enough. So so then we get into arguments about well, how will we die, and you know, and what circumstances will we die, and all that sort of stuff. And it's these are conversations that are worth having, aren't they? Yeah, for sure. And and it's isn't it a shame that grief is something that we will all experience in life. Yeah. And yet we are so uninformed. Yeah. And, in, you know, I often talk about, it's like, it's like being thrown into the middle of a lake and you've never been taught how to swim. Yeah. And that's not usually the time you want to learn how to swim. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, but that's where we find ourselves when we're in the middle of grief. It's like, what is normal? What's not? And unfortunately, a lot of people are turning to social media yeah. for their grief support and it's 
largely unhelpful. Yeah. Well, it's it's like everything else on social media. It's it's opinion, wing and a prayer, and all that sort of stuff. So, yeah. so to go back to that point, then you obviously expect. We've had a lot of conversations on here about suicide and such like it. Was the grief similar there to the, your own ch child, or was it a totally different process? You say that one informed the other, and I'm guessing you were different ages and different relations and such like. But in a sense, is that was that was that thing at the core of you that that thing we call grief was it pretty well the same process it looked different but similar so i think what was important for me was to to look back and see how how emotionally i hurt i was hurt when my brother died and how emotionally i was hurt when my marriage ended and that despite how hurt I was at those moments, that I was able to move through it and, and rebuild my life. And so yeah. I thought, if I was able to do that before, is it possible I could do that now? Yeah. And it certainly took a lot more intervention, a lot more uh, resourcefulness, um, a lot more just will to to move forward and i think really that's that's the most important piece and that's what scares me about the resources that people get in grief is that you know what we really need is that strong hope mm -hmm. and when i say hope i mean like that certainty of hope not the yeah. wishful hope but the understanding that it is possible. Yes. And, and, and we need that in order to get through that muddy, difficult, you know, just heart-wrenching time. Yes. And, and it's tricky, isn't it? Because there's two problems with grief. One, which is all the support comes at the wrong time, usually right at the, the dramatic bit. And you have, you're inundated with thousands of offers of help where, in a sense, what you're doing is you end up having to cope with everybody else's grief. And then, you know, it all goes quiet, probably just at the point that you need it. So being able to stitch your external resources together is really important here, isn't it? Absolutely. And I often say our support needs to be and needs to be stronger than our than our challenge. Yeah. And um, and I think that's the big piece for people to realize is that they can't they're not they're it's going to be hard to be successful with the same level of support you had before something yeah. happened. You, you've got to really find those support systems that are going to be meaningful for you. And, and if in to really find those support systems that are going to be encouraging to building hope, you know, not the ones that say, because I'm telling you, I, I've been on these boards and I see the messages that are given to, especially parents who have lost children. And it, the message is you're going to hurt the rest of your life. And I, I've experienced it. And I know that doesn't have to be true. Now, Dan, this is the point I was coming to. So I just jumped in there and I was wagging my finger at you just because I'm interested. Um, I don't have the nails you've got. You, uh, Julie has the most fantastic <laughs> fantastic nails they really are uh, <laughs> fluorescent fantastic very distracting um so are you there are a lot of people in grief in the grief world who argue at this idea of closure so you seem to be saying yes closure is possible 
So talk to me a little bit about that, if you would. It's interesting to use the word closure. I think when people hear the word closure or they hear moving on, they're very triggered. You know, they're triggered into thinking, I can never move on. I can never close the door because I loved my kids or I loved my husband or I loved, you know, whoever it is that we've lost or whatever relationship we've lost or whatever experience that we've had. And so I think that that's the, that's the sticky point is that the loss still exists. And so there's, there's a piece in us that thinks, well, if the loss still exists, then therefore I cannot recover. And, and it's the closure is not the closure of the relationship. We misunderstand when we think that if we let go of the pain, that we're letting go of the person. And that's where we get confused is we connect the pain with the person. And for a long time, I was under that same assumption. If I'm not in pain, if I'm not expressing my pain, I didn't love my kids enough. People aren't going to think I loved my kids. I'm going to somehow be letting go of them. And, And it's being able to separate the, the pain from the person. Yeah. And so I live in love and gratitude for my children who died. And I live in love and gratitude for my children who are living. Yes. And I, I can't, I can't raise one above the other. And, and this is important, isn't it? Because I mean, here you are, you're, you've written a book, you've got a website, you've got a business, you know, we're going to talk about that in a second, but you have to be able to do that to be able to deal with this. Otherwise you'd be an emotional wreck every, every time you talked about this. And therefore you wouldn't be able to separate your own condition from the needs of others. So I like the way you've kind of pulled those two things apart. I think it's right. You have to be able to honor the person, don't you? But you have to be able to deal with the pain in a different way. Absolutely. You know, I always go back to the quote by Viktor Frankl, who said that when we're unable to change the circumstances, we are challenged to change ourselves. Yes. And I'm paraphrasing, but I think that's pretty close to what he said. It, there are things that we are, we have to learn. And, and that's, that's why I developed the program that I did is because I, I went back and I, through my study, through my, through my, um, the certifications I've done through my own experiences, I went back and I identified what are those things that we have to assimilate in order to truly heal? Yeah. You know, I don't heal anybody. They, they choose healing. You know, they, they step into the process of healing. So. Wow. Interesting. And so as, as you've alluded to there, you built a business, you've, you know, um, you've got a website called buildalifeafterloss.com um, and a book. So tell us a little bit about those things. Yeah. So the website on the website, build a life after loss, I have a podcast and every Wednesday, I release a new episode where I talk about grief and loss and rebuilding. And so it's a kind of a broad range. Um, I have, you know, some interviews there, but a lot of it is just, you know, a lot of good information about like, how do we get from here to there? Um, and then the, um, I, I, ha- I offer a free consultation for free discovery call for people that are interested in, in really applying 
this healing model, this, you know, really applying this process of going from coping to understanding, to discovery, to resolving and rebuilding. And it is a very definite um, process. And I would encourage listeners who are interested in understanding and learning more about grief, either for themselves or for the ones they love that are, that are suffering with grief, that they uh, come to the website and, and get on the mailing list because I will be opening a membership site in a couple of months where a lot of this information will be available for application for and group coaching and um, making it more accessible to more people. And I noticed you also have a free 45 minute discovery session. So, you know, if, right. you're, if, you're, if you're struggling at the moment, it sounds like a brilliant place to start. And did you say you were writing a book or was that my imagination? Yes, thank you for reminding me. Yes, I have a book. It's available at buildalifeafterloss.com. Also at the bottom of the page, you'll see the book. It's called Miracles in the Darkness. I share my story of you know, losing my two kids and, um, and the impact that was on my life and how I came about going from that devastating moment and years in life to rebuilding and now sharing what I've learned and, and helping others to rebuild their life. Absolutely fantastic. Um, well, I shall be downloading that almost immediately. So, and it's only available on your website, is it, Julie? Yes, it's available on the website. Yes, there's a link. There. I can see it's got a lovely lighthouse on the front. Look at that. Miracles in the darkness. Brilliant. Well, I mean, you know, I, I don't I, I think we've scratched the surface of a, a really important and a really fascinating subject. But I noticed you've got 120 podcasts there. And I um, do. so there's plenty to get your teeth into. And um, Whilst we look at the subject from the perspective of resilience, I think it's, you know, if you're suffering and or you want different tools and resources, it would make sense to have a look at Julie's information. Yeah. You know, you mentioned Elizabeth Kubler-Ross mm. and a brilliant woman who really opened the door for people to start understanding grief and emotion and how emotion is involved in grief. And and I, I really like to think of my work as being, um, as, as building on the work that she's done. I, you know, I'm a, a, a big um, fan, if you will, <laughs> of her work and who she was and the, the tender person that she was. Yes. Yes. I mean, you know, that she's the, she's the icon in the field, isn't she? But she's a very wise person as well. So there you go. Um, Julie, it's been great to spend time with you today. Thank you so much for spending time with us. Um, I don't know what to say. Go go and look at the website, get the book. It's on Amazon as well, I see. And um, thank you for spending time with us today. Thank you. It was, a, it was lovely to visit with you. You take care. Hi, everybody. I hope you found that episode useful and interesting. Feedback is always welcomed, and if you are in the mood to subscribe to us or even leave a comment on iTunes or Stitcher, that would be amazing. If you want to suggest ideas or even people you would like me to interview, then reach out to us at qedod.com forward slash contact. As I said earlier, you can go to qedod.com forward slash podcasts for show notes or follow the links. And you can go to qedod.com forward slash extras to access offers, tools and resources, including free articles and ebooks. 
For those of you that would be interested in supporting our work and contributing more proactively, you can find our new Patreon page at patreon.com, then search for Resilience Unraveled. I look forward to being in your ear next time around. Take care.